Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. Is history repeating itself? That's a question. Is history repeating itself? Do we have any idea what is going on in the Ukraine right now? That right now, even as we speak, the barbaric invasion is bringing captured individuals from Mariupol into concentration camps. They're called filtration camps, but they're really concentration camps. 27,000 so far have been, um, are held in concentration camps or filtration camps. And it's, it's an outrage. These are war crimes. These are, these are war crimes to the 10th degree. These are, these, this is hideous. We absolutely cannot stand back and watch this go on because then history would really repeat itself. All right, we are responsible. So what can we do as a ministry? We can fast and pray. Now, I'm not expecting by any means anyone to go on an Elijah fast on 40 days of water unless that's your anointing. But I am going to consecrate this time. Actually, we began, I began a consecration on the 18th. And uh, we're just going to keep this going until I'm keeping mine going till the 27th of May. But that will be 40 days. But you can do your 40 days and fast any way that the Spirit of God leads you. So in other words, you can fast one meal a day. You can go on a Daniel fast for 40 days. That's really easy, and there's so much grace to do it. And actually, if you want to do it today, I'm going to lay hands on you after the service that you receive an impartation to fast for the people of Ukraine. People, uh, drastic measures have to be done. It's drastic. It's drastic. It's drastic. We cannot sit back and just, we cannot do it. We cannot just sit back and watch it happen. Obviously, we can't all go to the Ukraine. Obviously, we can't all be working in tents at the borders. But what we can do is we can sacrifice. That's what we can do. And we can take responsibility for prayer and fasting and just say, Holy Spirit, give me the just give me the grace for the next 40 days to just consecrate. That doesn't mean... You can't have dinner. If God tells you not to do a complete fast, a Daniel fast, maybe you can fast. Um, Daniel fasts are very easy. You can do soup and salad. You can do um, maybe just baked potatoes and salad the whole the whole month. You can do you can do bread. That's really not good for you. But I did that once for a whole year in the nineties, basically. <laughs> it's it, the, the fasted lifestyle. The Holy Ghost will show you how. One time in 2012, the Holy Ghost had me live on cheese for about maybe I don't know over a year. And I mean, I'm I'm sharing with you secrets now. Okay, it is possible. So I'm not expecting anyone to have the responsibility that I have. 
but I will impart to you if you really want that kind of fasting and, you know, um, want to be able to do that to bombard heaven for these precious people of the Ukraine. My God, it's, it's unbelievable. And so I'm just, um, we can do it. Amen. We can do it. And this, this doesn't mean that you interrupt your nice Mother's Day or anything like that. Um, we don't expect that. We just expect you to be led by the Holy Spirit and make a consecration. All right, can we do that? And that we're just going to bombard heaven to stop the madness. Amen? To stop this insanity. Just to, to stop it. And, and we have the power to do it because we're the body of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for allowing me to get on the bandwagon and tell you about it. Amen. Father God, tonight, we just thank you for all the saints of God that love you so much and are willing to fast and to pray for our brothers and sisters that are being taken, uh, Father God, against their wills and being tortured. Father God, thousands and thousands. But Lord God, we thank you that we as a body of Christ have power and that, Lord, this will turn around. Now, Lord God, we ask you tonight in the name of Jesus that tonight there will be such an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, that there will be an anointing as the book of Acts in this place tonight. Lord, I pray for ministries. I pray for individuals with their families who need miracles. We pray for signs, wonders, and miracles to be activated in their lives. And every person here to walk out with a tremendous anointing as they've never had before. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Tonight, beloved saints, we are opening our Bibles to the book of Acts. Are you excited about Pentecost? If you are, say amen. All right, we're both opening to the book of Acts, the, the first chapter in the book of Acts. And just very, very quickly, I'm going to speak to you for a moment on the, on the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And we are going to look at this. So we're going to Acts chapter 1, actually Acts chapter 1 only for preface. We're not only going to be there for a moment, but our focus is going to be on Acts chapter 2. And tonight I'm going to speak to you about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, perhaps in a way that you've never heard before. And we're looking at, first of all, I want you to understand that Luke, who is the author of the book of Acts, wants to give us a preface to the revival. And what is that preface to the revival? That preface to the revival is that... Um, that Luke wants to make sure that we understand that revival comes through a sense of absence. What does that mean? A sense of longing for the presence of God. How many of you have ever felt the presence of God sometime in your life that was so precious and then all of a sudden it lifted? You don't feel it anymore like you used to. Has that ever happened to anybody? Or am I the only person that's ever experienced that once or twice? Did you know that sometimes God does that? He withdraws his presence so we will seek him more? Because, because actually, if we actually look at the book of Acts, we are going to see that revival begins with a sense of absence. What do you mean by that, Dr. Corral? Let us look and see that there is actually a condition that is caused by absence. There is a 
a sense of longing that comes through absence. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, verse 5. The, the key is going to be verse 9 and verse 10. So first we'll start with verses 4 and 5, and then we will see verses 9 and 10. Okay, so being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, say, which saith he, that you have heard of me. That promise of the Father was the baptism in the Spirit, wasn't it? Notice it says, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. May I just take a sidebar here for a moment and share with you about John the Baptist, that John the Baptist was a demonstrating prophet. So this means that like the prophets that preceded him, remember the, the prophetic era, the era of the prophets ended 400 years prior to John the Baptist. However, John the Baptist is the last 400 years later, but the era of the prophets called the latter prophets, they were demonstrators. For example, Hosea, he was a demonstrator. God told Hosea, go and marry a woman who is a harlot. Why would God say that? But he did. He said, go and marry a woman who is a harlot. And, and uh, actually, Hosea loved this woman. And she was very unfaithful to Hosea. Hosea knew she was going to be unfaithful. And this was a prophetic act that God allowed to be demonstrated through the life of Hosea because Israel, now his message is going to be God being married to Israel, but Israel being unfaithful to God the way a, a harlot was unfaithful to a husband. Do you get it? If you do, say amen. Say with me, demonstrating prophet. Okay, and we also see Ezekiel. He was a demonstrator. Ezekiel laid on the ground for 390 days and pointed to Jerusalem. That was an aid. Uh, he, he was called by God to demonstrate certain actions that were going to take place among the people. Why are you sharing this, Dr. Corral? Because John the Baptist was a demonstrator. He said, Jesus said, John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. But let's look at John the Baptist's actual testimony. The Bible says in Luke chapter 3, verse 16, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, who shoe latch it, I'm not worthy to unloose. And he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So John's baptism was only an, a baptism of demonstration. Say it with me, a baptism of demonstration. A baptism of demonstration of another baptism that was to follow after John the Baptist, after John the Baptist's baptism. Are you with me? That those who are baptized in the spirit are going to be submerged in the supernatural the same way somebody is submerged in water. When you go down in water, hallelujah, you're submerged in water and you come up a new person. When you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, you are submerged in the supernatural and somebody ought to say, I'm getting ready. 
to be submerged in the supernatural. I'm getting ready for a new thing in my life this Pentecost. Somebody ought to give God the praise. Hallelujah. All right, we're continuing in the context. Are you getting ready? Are your seatbelts on? All right, so let's go a little further. Now, watch what's happening. Verse 9, after he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly into heaven as he went up, behold, there stood two men in white apparel. And the Bible said, which said, ye men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, which you have seen taken up from you into heaven. So shall he come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. What's going on here? I want you to understand that as they were looking into heaven, this is going to be the last view that they have of Jesus. And I want you to understand what's going to happen. For a period of 10 days, actually nine days in between, they're not going to feel the presence of Jesus for nine days. They're not going to feel his love. They're not going to feel his tenderness. They're not going to feel his closeness. They're not going to hear his voice. They're not going to sense his touch. They're not going to sense why? Because the Holy Ghost has not yet been given. Hello, somebody. Jesus was taken up into heaven, but the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Say this with me. The Holy Ghost lets me feel Jesus. The Holy Ghost speaks only what Jesus says. The Holy Ghost is the presence of Jesus. The Holy Ghost shows me everything of Jesus. He will take of mine and show it unto you. He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever things he shall hear, that shall he speak and he shall show you things to come. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Now, that didn't mean Jesus had departed from them and wasn't close to them. That didn't mean Jesus withdrew his presence from them because he didn't love them. That didn't mean that Jesus wasn't everywhere because he is God and he is everywhere. But it meant they did not have the ability to sense, to hear, to be directed, to feel. And so because of that absence, there was a great longing. Are you with me? How many persons have loved somebody and they've been taken from you and the more you miss them, the more you long for them? Even a little doggy can suffer anxiety, separation anxiety. My granddaughter Gia, her friend bought her uh, a Doberman Pinscher just a little Doberman Pinscher puppy. And she came over Sunday, and that thing was a little baby was whimpering any time Gia wasn't with it. It, it. She had to have it for protection because of her because of her ministry with Christian martyrs and threats of terrorism, et cetera. So they, um, her friend bought her this Doberman Pinscher, and she, she said, Ganners, I'm going to put the 
the doggy in the backyard. I said, sure, sweetie. She came Sunday before the service. And we were hearing whimpering, whimpering, howling, whimpering. Why? Because that little doggy didn't want to be away from Gia. So she went and she got the doggy. Because it can't, couldn't just be away from her as a puppy. It didn't want to be away from her for five minutes. Are you with me? Even animals get separation anxiety. How much more? How much more human beings? Are you with me? If you are, say amen. All right. So, so we need to understand, beloved saints, that we need to understand that th this separation created a longing, and so therefore. Jesus going into heaven, there is a longing created, hallelujah, and absence now becomes the tool of to fuel the fire of greater love. Because why? It's only through praying, praying down the power of God that's going to bring the revival on the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost isn't just going to happen. They're going to have to pray it in, even though it was prophesied and even though it was promised. You see, there are some things that are prophesied and promised to you, but God wants you to pray them in. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. So we see that absence becomes the tool that God uses to fuel the fire, hallelujah, to seek him. This is why we see throughout the Bible, the Bible says in Psalms 119, verse 81, the Bible says, my soul faints for thee, O God, hallelujah, it faints for thy salvation. And we see so many scriptures throughout the scripture where there is a longing, the great man of God, David Wilkerson, he was a great, uh, great general in the last generation. I don't know if anybody here has ever heard of David Wilkerson. He is the founder of Teen Challenge, but that's not just all that David Wilkerson did. David Wilkerson's fruit goes throughout the earth. David Wilkerson affected a young drug addict by the name of Sonny Argonzoni in the 1950s. He, con he was converted through David Wilkerson's ministry. And Sonny Argonzoni began a great work among drug addicts called Victory Outreach. That is the fruit of David Wilkerson. David Wilkerson founded the organization called Teen Challenge. I think some people may have heard of that. And this was a, a tremendous work of God in the 1970s. I can remember when Teen Challenge was first beginning. And we would hear testimonies at the church I attended called Melody Land Christian Center. And I used to, as a young girl, one of my first ministries to serve God was I was recruited to work on the hotline. We had a 24-hour um, a hotline at Melody Land. And so I decided to take the shift nobody wanted, so I did the midnight shift with another lady that was an uh, older lady. And we used to spend the night in a trailer there on Melody Land property and get all the suicide calls or get all the calls of people overdosing. I, I didn't really know too much about that. I didn't even know you could overdose on prescription drugs, but you could. But David Wilkerson's organization, Teen Challenge, which was very strong in the 1970s, there would be persons that were 
absolutely addicted to drugs but never went through a 12-step program. They went to the altar and got delivered by the power of God by becoming saved, born again, and baptized in the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? And would never go through any withdrawals. They just go clean. Hello, somebody. Are you with me? I'm talking about I'm talking about the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about the old-fashioned power of the Spirit of God that is coming back to the church. I hope somebody hears what I'm talking about. So they would just they would just be very um, out of it, but they would go to the altar at a teen challenge meeting. And they would be absolutely positively delivered from one encounter with the Holy Ghost. Hello, somebody. Somebody ought to say just one dose of the Holy Ghost. Somebody should say this. Turn to your neighbor and say one dose of the Holy Ghost. Somebody should praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we see that this absence, this absence brings the presence of God. It brings it's a longing. The longing fuels the fire of God's love. And David Wilkerson, who was not just known for these great works, that's not what David Wilkerson was really known for. David Wilkerson was known as a prophet. He didn't play games. As a matter of fact, his first major prophecy that he gave to the last generation which was our generation, was, a, was a, 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 a prophecy called the vision. He had a vision, a vision and encounter of what was going to happen before the return of Christ, particularly behavior in the church. And he was actually banned from some, from some pulpits. And, of course, he was uh, Assemblies of God statesman, and very well respected. But David Wilkerson, who was an intercessor, said that anguish and deep prayer, anguish and a deep prayer life actually bring revival. Through anguish and a deep prayer life, revival is born. Are you with me? Say this with me. Through deep anguish, and deep prayer, revival is born. Praying John Hyde, who was a missionary to India, groaned with such agony and passion for Indian souls to come to Christ that after he passed away, they did an autopsy on his body and his heart had actually moved to the other side of his chest from agonizing for souls in prayer for so many years before God. You see, there has to be an agony. There has to be a longing. There has to be a desire for true revival to come. And that's exactly what happened to the 120 before the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost. I hope you're with me. The Bible says here, as you look at the Word of God, saints, verse 14 says, And these all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication. Hallelujah. 
What does it mean? These all continued. Can you say this with me? These all continued. So what does it mean to continue, beloved? The Bible tells us that to continue is this word proskaterio in Greek. Say it with me, proskaterio. Proskaterio in Greek means to continue to do something with intense effort. So this means when you see that these all continued, these all proskaterio, these all proskaterio, these all proskaterio, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication, meaning as that word proskaterio means to continue with intense effort. And there's actually in that word proskaterio a possibility that there will be difficulty to hinder one, that one is going to persevere and endure. So this means that they continued with uh, intense effort. So that doesn't mean that the 120, when they saw Jesus leave, this was a tool of the Spirit to fuel the fire of longing, to fuel the fire of where are you, Lord, to fuel the fire, I can't feel you anymore, to fuel the fire, I long for your power, to fuel the fire when are we going to see the sick healed again to fuel the fire i miss you already jesus to fuel the fire where are you lord i can't make it one day without you are you with me saints saints this is not the time to be lukewarm this is the time to get on fire for god hello Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not going to miss this. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say, this thing isn't going to pass me by, not this Pentecost. Hello. All right. So here we see they continued in prayer, proskaterio. This proskaterio taken from the Greek word katerio, which means to persevere and to attend. The Bible tells us when they look steadfastly into heaven, this word steadfastly in the Greek language means union with a particle. So that means that a, a little portion of Jesus that they were seeing, they wanted to hold on to it. They extended themselves to hold on to it as long as they could, but they couldn't, uh, their reach, their reach was limited. On purpose, Jesus did not let them feel his presence. On purpose, he made them wait nine days. On purpose, he wanted to, them to have longings of love, to pray the power of God for the day of Pentecost. Are you with me? All right, so let's see what happens when we fuel the fire of God's love through the longings of love. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, I want you to see it. The Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord with one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Now, this is my, I want you to understand, this is a, a, a very unusual phenomena. To be in one accord in the first century, that's unheard of. In first century Judaism, that didn't happen. Okay, the whole reason the second temple was destroyed was baseless hatred. And even the disciples, when they walked with Jesus, there was disunity. 
They loved one another, but not the way the way they are going to love one another after the Spirit of God comes. Are you with me, saints? If you are, say amen. Okay, so they were all in one accord and in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the house that they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Now watch verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want you to say other tongues. Okay, now can I give you a crash course for five minutes? on the difference between signs and wonders and gifts of the Spirit. How many of you would like to know the difference? Difference between signs and wonders and gifts of the Spirit. Say this with me, a different function for a different unction. Say it again, a different function for a different unction. All right, I want you to understand what is going on in the upper room is not the gift of tongues. You said, what? Hold on. They just said other tongues. It's supernatural tongues, all right. But it's not the charismatic gift of tongues. It's the sign of tongues, which is under signs and wonders. Do you remember what Jesus said before Jesus departed into heaven? What did he say? Go with me to Mark chapter 16, and I want you to see in Mark chapter 16, looking at verse 15, and actually just, just go right to verse 17. Verse 17 says, these signs shall follow. Say signs, not charismatic gifts. Charismatic gifts are for a different unction, a different function. Say it with me, a different function and a different unction. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. New tongues are under the category of both charismatic gifts and new tongues. The one that we see in the upper room was not the charismatic gift that you see in Acts chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It was the sign because unbelievers are going to be saved as a result of the tongues. They were supernatural, but a different unction for a different function. Are you with me? Let me just, okay. I'm going to break up the charismatic tradition. Classical, classical charismatic, Dr. Michelle Correll, classical charismatic, Saved at the most classical charismatic church of the 1970s. You can't get more charismatic than that. Went to the classical charismatic school of theology, Melody Land School of Theology. Studied under the classical charismatic leaders, which I treasure, and it is the greatest gift of my, that it, as a Christian, if I say to Jesus, Jesus, one of the greatest gifts, how can I thank you? How can I thank you for those generals of the charismatic renewal? Rita Bennett and Father, his, her husband, Father, Father Bennett, Episcopalian, now 
Of course, Episcopal Church is totally changed and degenerate. But in those days, it wasn't. Dennis and Rita Bennett. Oh, my goodness. Wonderful leaders. They put the whole Episcopal Church on fire with charismatic renewal. Harold Bradison. Oh, my goodness. Mr. Lutheran. He was so powerful. He just he didn't care about anybody. If you knew Harold Bradison, he didn't. He didn't care who you were. He, you're going to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. And he called Dale Evans in. Roy Rogers' wife. Dale Evans got the baptism. He's a Lutheran. And he called in Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson never spoke in tongues. But Harold had him speak in tongues. Mm. Glorious. Dr. J. Rodman Williams. Wow, what a man of God. Presbyterian. Notice we got an Episcopalian. We got a Lutheran. Now we got a Presbyterian. Sister Kim probably knows Dr. J. Rodman Williams, the president of Meldyland School of Theology, later went to Regent University with Pat Robertson, one of the most distinguished theologians, speaking in tongues, charismatic teachers you'd ever seen. The charismatics were teachers. The charismatics were scholars, some of them, because they came from the historic churches. And for the first time, they're speaking in tongues. This is before non-denominational. That didn't exist in those days. There was a few, but that wasn't the trend. These are the historic churches. Are you with me? Do you understand charismatic history? I'm giving it to you. It's glorious. It's glorious. It's glorious. It's glorious. It's glorious. All right? So, classically, charismatically, all traditions, including classical Pentecostal traditions, somehow we mixed it up and we called what's happening in the upper room the gift of tongues. When it is not the gift of tongues, it's the sign of tongues. We didn't know the difference between separating signs and wonders with gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit were given to operate in the church to build up the body of Christ. But signs and wonders were given, supernatural signs and wonders were given to win the lost. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Say it with me. Different function for different unction. Oh, my goodness. Glory to God. This I'm telling you, something is happening. I, I believe the Spirit of God is getting ready to be poured out again like he did in the 1970s. We're getting ready to see it. All right, but we're going to have knowledge this time. Okay, because they're just experimenting. Okay, they're just getting their feet back. Do you realize... How many, how, what, 
what bravery it took for some of these men. They'd been in their position for years, very distinguished churches, very distinguished positions. Some were Methodists with great congregations, great reputations. And to be called speaking in tongues meant you would get the left hand of fellowship. Hello, somebody. Baptists speaking in tongues. Hello, somebody. Oh, my goodness. We're not just talking about people who call themselves Baptists. We're talking about American Baptists. Leaders of their denomination. They couldn't help it. Something just came over them. They were in a meeting, and they started trembling under the power of God. They started speaking in tongues. Hello, somebody. Somebody ought to praise God. So can I tell you a little secret? All of you are overflow from that revival. Hello, somebody. But you ought to turn to somebody and say, I'm not in the overflow anymore. I'm going to start my own revival. Somebody ought to say, I'm not in the overflow anymore. I'm going to start my own revival. All right, so let's look at this difference here. Going to Acts chapter 2, I'm going to prove it to you. Acts chapter 2, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost as the Spirit gave them utterance. Look at verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. That means these were devout, orthodox, classical uh, Jews that were there coming in from all over the earth to celebrate Shavuot, Pentecost. They're there in the streets of Jerusalem. Notice it says devout Jews. This means they were very observant. Okay, there were, I tell you, the Holy Ghost has a wonderful way of getting devout people. He loves to get devout people. People that are all bundled up. People that never said hallelujah. <laughs> you know, who would think? I, I'm so glad I didn't know the, the, the protocols of some of these denominations. I'm so glad I would have been too afraid to do what I did. A, a wonderful priest. He was Episcopalian from Newport Beach, St. James Episcopal Church. I know nothing really about the Episcopal Church. I didn't know they were so, they were a little stuffy. <laughs> I didn't know that. I had no clue because the only charismatic I knew was Floyd Tree Size. And Floyd Treesize was a charismatic Episcopal priest who spoke in tongues. So I didn't know they were stuffy. I had no idea. I don't mean to say that disrespectfully, but I had no idea they were, they were very reserved. I didn't know they prayed with prayer books from the Church of England. I didn't know that. It's a good thing I didn't. Or the Holy Ghost couldn't have done what he wanted to do there. Hello, somebody. And Floyd Treesize, he was, he was a man of God. He used to be in that prayer meeting. People from all denominations used to just be there, and they kind of used to sneak in the early days of the charismatic renewal. We, they used to have underground prayer meetings. It's true. Underground prayer meetings. Because in their denomination, it was not accepted. 
But how could you help it? The Spirit of God was falling all over them. They couldn't help it. And Floyd Teresa used to say, this is what you do when there's warfare in the room. You pray in tongues under your breath. That's one thing I remember from Floyd. 1970s. And I went over to this Episcopal church, and I thought, the Holy Spirit said, go to Lido Island to St. James. So I said, okay, I go. I went over there because the Holy Ghost said, you're going to take everything you learn from the charismatics, and you're going to take it to the historic churches. So I went there, and I talked to Father Ashy. I didn't even know anything about their church government or anything. I said, hello, I really feel led by the Spirit to do a seminar at your church. Hello, a 24-year-old, are you kidding me? St. James Episcopal Church with the most wealthy people in Orange County that attended it? I really feel led by the Spirit to do, to do a seminar at your church on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what that really was like? This church that prays from the Anglican prayer book, God long live the queen, <laughs> the most reserved of peoples. Father Ashley said, I'm going to take it to my vestry. I didn't know what a vestry was. He said, I'm taking it to my vestry. In those days, you didn't have faxes, emails, beepers, or anything. I got a letter in the mail. And he said, we want you to come for a six-week seminar on the Holy Spirit. Teach us. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. It wasn't me. It's because a revival is going on. It's because a revival was going on. Can you understand what happens when there's a revival going on? That's why I say the Holy Spirit loves devout people. He loves them. He loves to shake them up. That first night, we're having a service there, teaching on the Holy Ghost. I had no idea who's in that audience. I had no idea there's some of the most elite Orange County people. Some just came to see a 24-year-old teach on the Holy Ghost. And what, what is this? They're going to uh, object to the church. But they were on the floor under the power of God. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. You got to know, hallelujah, what revival is. Somebody should put their hand up and say, expect the unexpected. Say, tonight we're breaking out of the box. Expect the unexpected. Come on, say it again. Expect the unexpected. Hallelujah. That seminar, by the way, lasted almost two years. Now, saints, the Bible says there were dwelling at 
Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together because they were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. Notice verse 7. And they were all amazed and said and marveled, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we, uh, every man in our own tongue, from where we were born, Parthenians and Medes, Elamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia, and in Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, going down to verse 11. Cretes, Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Say this with me. The sign of tongues, speaking unto men. Say it again. The sign of tongues, speaking unto men. Now, go with me to Paul's thesis on the charismatic gift of tongues found in 1 Corinthians. We're going to go to 14. 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14, notice, follow after agape and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Watch this. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue. Let's just stop right there. What did we read in the book of Acts? It wasn't unknown tongues. It was other tongues. Say it's, say it's not the same. Say other tongues are not unknown tongues. Say it again. Other tongues are not unknown tongues. Look at the Bible is saying, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit he speaketh in the spirit mysteries. It's the total opposite of the sign, isn't it? When they were speaking, when they were uh, speaking in the other tongues, languages that they never studied, they were not speaking to God. They were speaking to men. They were speaking to men in their own language with other tongues that they never studied. A phenomena, say it. They never studied, but they uttered them to preach the gospel, given as a sign. 3,000 were added to the church that very day. Hello, are you with me? The sign of tongues. Say with me, the sign of tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 22. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 22. Verse 22 says, Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. A little confusing. You got to figure the whole thing out. Tongues are not assigned to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But yet we just read it's given to the Christian to edify the, themselves. 
He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him, howbeit he speaketh unto God in mysteries. So we have one that's a charismatic gift. That is your prayer language. One that is a charismatic gift that no man understands. You speak to God in mysteries. One that is a sign that is a tool of evangelism. That is a sign for the unbeliever. Two different types. Say it with me. Two different types. Say, I want it all. Come on. I want it all. Say it with me. I want everything the Holy Ghost has for me. I want every miraculous manifestation on this Pentecost that God has for me. Are you with me? The last one. It's a, it's a prophetic gift. An attribute of prophecy. Look at Verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 14. The Bible says it's another manifestation of the charismatic gift of tongues. Two types of charismatic tongues, one type of tongues as a sign. Three different types of tongues. Got it? Say it with me. Three different types of tongues. Say this with me. Different function, different unction. Now, the reason I'm teaching you is because I want you to learn how to flow. How are you going to flow if you don't know the difference? How can the Holy Ghost give it to you if you don't have the knowledge of it? Because he's going to use you in it. There could be a day that you're going to go down to Ecuador and you never spoke a word of Spanish. And you could be up there in the mountains and that's the only time those people are ever going to hear the gospel. And you're going to have to open your mouth and let God fill it. And boy, all of a sudden, you're going to start flowing in Spanish. Hello. 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 I would that you all speak in tongues, but rather that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, uh, and he that speaketh in tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive the edifying. What is this? This is when the body comes together. There has to be a certain atmosphere for this one to happen. There has to be one accord, unity. There has to be a synchronizing. You see, this happened in 1977 at a conference called Kansas City. Kansas City, 1977, 50,000 people and the Kansas City Stadium changed Christianity forever, forever. They were gathered together, Church of God in Christ, Baptists, classical Pentecostals, Assemblies of God, Episcopalians, 
every denomination, Catholics, every denomination gathered together, and guess what? They were so excited because somebody visited them. It wasn't man. There was no person with a huge ministry. There weren't big TV ministries in those days. It had to be only God. They had a visitation. They spoke in tongues. They got touched by the power of the Holy Ghost. And the experience was so precious to them that they came together in unity. And they rejoiced. I can't hear anybody. I said they came together in unity and they rejoiced. I know you're in your little box, but they came together in unity and they rejoiced. I know you got your tradition, but let me break you out of it. They came together in unity and they rejoiced. I know you're stuck in your religious stronghold, but that's why you cannot see the baptism of the spirit in that way because you're in bondage. Break out of the bondage. Hello, somebody. Break out of it. Touch your neighbor and say, break out of it. You're in a religious bondage. Come on, break out of it. You're in a religious bondage. Oh, I'm getting, uh, oh, huh. Would the Holy Spirit contradict himself? This is long before non-denominationals. They just started. This is long before it. All those pastors were already in trouble. They're all in the same boat. They speak in tongues. Hello? I said they're all in trouble. They all speak in tongues. So they're taking a risk in their denomination anyway. So they have to be brethren. Are you hearing me? Kansas City. They're flocking in. 50,000. They're all in one accord. The love level was so high. There was absolutely no judging. They're so excited because another brother speaking in tongues. They're so excited because they got put, you see, they got in the, in the, I guess you call it the doghouse. They got in the doghouse with their, with their leadership, these pastors. And so when they met others that were willing to step out in faith and go, go through the risk of losing their church because they speak in tongues, they had to, they had to stick together. Hello, somebody. Don't worry, you'll break out of it. Because you haven't seen revival yet. But as soon as you taste it, you'll break out of it, I promise you. They're gathered together in that stadium in one accord. And all of a sudden in symphony. You've never heard it. A symphony like this, never in your life. In symphony, 
because they're all there because they're laying their life down to speak in tongues. In symphony, in unity, like angels, a song comes from speaking in tongues that raises up the spirit and the presence of God, the whole stadium speaking in tongues at one time. Not one out of order, not one note out of order, not one person unsynchronized with the Spirit. It was a supernatural move. I've tried to pray to God that it would happen again, but we're so ununified it won't happen. But I promise you if we pray and we're willing to be unified and we want the Spirit with such longing, if there are really longings for the real authentic revival to come we will be willing thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power thank you for joining us today on day of destiny we invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of dr corral's latest book secrets of the anointing Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.